defined by other things. Okay, love defined by popular culture is, is essentially the movie The Titanic. Okay, I say that, hold on, don't show the other one yet, don't show it yet. I say that because it is the highest grossing romantic or love story movie of all time. Okay, so this, this means this. The majority of popular culture views love as defined by this movie. Okay, they've been told this story and, and they, they think that's love. That's romantic. It's, it's the greatest romantic movie of all time. And here's the storyline if you haven't seen it. An engaged woman cheats on her fiancé with a thief and a liar and then kills him by kicking him off of the door they were floating on. Show the meme. Show the meme. The meme. Let's be honest. There was room for two. She kicked him off. You know, I'll never let go, Jack. You know, you dead. Bye. <laughs> this is, and this is the reality of, of what we've, we've kind of become so used to when we think about love. It's defined by popular culture. Let me say it like this. If you don't define love in your life, the world around you will define it for you. You'll hear a song, oh my gosh, that's love. You'll watch a movie, that's love. You'll read a book, you'll see an Instagram post, a TikTok, you'll hear these stories, and everything starts defining love for you. Now, what we know for sure as a Christian, and I would even say outside of these walls of the, of the church and the Christian uh, viewpoints we have and perspectives, love is defined by God. Love is defined by God. Whether your faith is centered on Christ or not, it is absolutely the greatest love story ever told. There is no other story of the love that God had for us, has for us. You'll read of these other things, but this is something so amazing that we have to understand love is defined by God. There are four Greek words used for love in the Bible. They're not interchangeable. They are different. So, for example, we say, I love tacos. I love my wife. That word is interchangeable, right? In Greek, there are certain terms, certain words of love that they use for certain things. Uh, Got Question says this. It, it's actually, it, it's something that, okay, like I said, love tacos, love my wife, but it's, it's much better in Greek because of our limited English syntax. We only have certain words, and we don't know how to, like, create a better understanding in a, sen in a sentence. So the Greek, uh, there are four words used for it, okay? There's eros, and I'll put them up here, and they're in your notes. And this is a romantic or sexual love that is between, like, basically a married couple. Okay? Eros. Then storge. Storge. <laughs> uh, which refers to a family love, like that of a mother for her, ba for her baby or of a brother for his sister, for each other. The love that that is is different than the love that a, a husband and wife have, okay? And then there's philea, which refers to a friendship or camaraderie. We love our friends differently. We love those around us in, in you know, the setting. It's a different love. 
And then there's agape. It is used to speak of God's love that he has for the world and that Christians are supposed to emulate. This agape love is different than the other three. So what I'm trying to say to you is understanding the word love is defined in scripture in a specific way that God has love for you, for us. Okay? Agape is unconcerned with the self and, and concerned with the greatest good of another. Let me say that again. Agape is unconcerned with the self and concerned with the greatest good of another. Meaning that agape love always puts the other person first. It's, it's essentially, I want everything that is best for you. Whatever I do is to hopefully set you up that you would have everything you can have. That's agape love. That's the love that God has for us. Agape love is always shown by what it does. And like I said, if you're not careful, popular culture will begin defining it for you. You know, love can be a sentence or somebody says something and you hear somebody uh, say something to you in a conversation or you're watching a movie and you're like, wow, that's so romantic. That man spoke in such a way that it changed that woman's heart and now she's in love with him. Now, the thing is this, that's not agape love. Agape love is always shown by what it does. In the same way for us as Christians, think of it like this. If you say you love God, but you don't live like it, the fact remains you don't have the love for God that you think you may. You have a different definition of love. Because agape love is always shown by what it does. Agape is the word that describes God's love in John 3.16. Okay? We, we are commanded to love God in Matthew 22.37 and love one another in John 13.34 with agape love. Agape is the word for love used in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's read that, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4 through 7. And this one is, is a challenge either way, because if you read this and you think about your own life and the reflection of this in your life, you can start to almost compare and think about, man, do I really love the people in my life that I say I love? Because love is patient and kind. We can do an altar call right now. <laughs> love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Ready for the altar? <laughs> it is not irritable or resentful. Think of what the description of love this is. It is not irritable or resentful. I've been irritated by people I've said I love. And we read this scripture, and it's giving us a description of love. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. You know, what that, you know what that's like? You don't like somebody, right? Something happened. There was a falling out, an offense. Something bad happens to them. And you think, yeah, good. They got what they deserved. 
That's the opposite of what love is. Because it says here, it says here, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing. It is not celebrating when bad things happen, but rejoices with the truth. We rejoice when the truth comes out. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This is, this is the agape love that God has for us. And the powerful thing of Christianity is that we will consistently fail, but he never will. We will look at this and realize, I, I've, I'm not that. We will look at this and read the next one. No, I'm not that. I've, I've not been that for a while. And the realization is that God is this. God is not irritated with you, even though some of us can be. <laughs> we can get irritated with each other. God is not. In, verse, in chapter 13, verse 13, it says this. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. And that's an interesting statement. Consider this. We all have faith as Christians. We all have this hope as Christians. But here, the writer is teaching us the greatest of these is love. And that's agape love. That's not the, that's not the romantic love. Okay? Unconcerned with the self and concerned with the greatest good of another. That's, that's the reality of what it means to truly love, okay? Love is defined by God. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So remember the definition is unconcerned with the self and concerned with the greatest good of another. God so loved us that he says, what is the greatest good that I can provide for everyone that I see on this earth? And he said, this is my son. I'm going to give him for you. That is agape love. He's concerned with you and the greatest good for you. And the challenge of, of realizing that this, this, this God, our heavenly father, loves us in such a way that we are not able to repay that. We're not able to, to react in a way that's the same. Just to say, we come and sing a song, right? We come and we worship God. We come in, and, it's a, and like we talked before, it's a choice to come to church. And you made a choice to spend your time to say, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to be in church. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to hear the word. And you made a choice and you gave up that time. But imagine that this service is only, let's say, an hour and a half. And the rest of the week, God still loves you just as much. But he's an afterthought if we're being blunt. And, and that's the challenge of it. But the realization is that God loves us with this agape love. And sometimes we make the mistake of stopping there, thinking that because God loves us, all is well. You know, let me, let me say it like this. An inaccurate statement of theology and doctrine. It's an ignorant statement. It's an ignorant statement, okay? It's crept into the church. I've heard Christians say it and repeat it. They say God is love and love is God. That is not in the Bible. Okay? God is love, but love cannot be God because what we've saying, what we're saying is, oh, if you find love, essentially you found God. If you two love each other, that's God. That's not true. 
Because you can love a sinner. You can go, you can go love, your, love yourself a, a wicked person, attach yourself to them, and go to hell. And that's your choice. That's what you chose to love. God defines love, and God is love, but love does not define God. And I'll go further, okay? We can confidently say God is love, and it is inaccurate to say that love is God, because the New Age spiritualists present that thought for us. They, they take Jesus out of it. They take sacrifice out of it. They even take agape out of it. You know, because what happens is this. Oh, you, you found happiness. Happiness is, is the thing that we see. And God wants everybody to be happy. But the reality is that's not true. And it's spiritualism. It's humanism. It's a spiritualist mindset to teach us something other than what the word of God says. Because agape love thinks of the other. It's not thinking of yourself. It's thinking of the other one. A.W. Tozer says this. Unfortunately, many modern Christians have reduced him, God, to a single attribute God. Never mind that the angels in God's presence do not cry out day and night, love, 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 but they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And the description of God is holiness, not love. And that's what I'm saying. We've allowed popular culture to define love for us and to say that's what love looks like. Did you see that movie? Oh my gosh, it's a great love story. No, it isn't. It's a good piece of fiction. But the greatest love story ever told is God himself saying, I love you so much, I'm going to make a way for you. Love is defined by God. Don't make the mistake of thinking, uh, learning about love and pursuing love is the single most important thing you can do as a Christian. That's what happens sometimes. We come to church and we think, God wants me to step into a relationship and that'll fulfill everything about me. I'll become whole. I've said it before when we talked about romantic relationships. You are not two halves coming together. You are two wholes. You are a whole person. You have your ideas, your perspectives, your identity, your you know, uh, worldview, everything there is you, and you, you marry somebody else, and they have all of their stuff. And it's not two halves coming together, you complete me. No. You are already complete. You are two complete persons coming together and learning how to love each other in an agape way, which means I don't prefer myself. I prefer you, whatever you think. <laughs> Man. Love is defined by God. God defines love. In heaven they cry out who he is and what he is, and that is holy. And as we read further in the book of John, we find that the love God has for us is also directly clarifying. See, that's something that we, you know, again, popular culture has shaped this mindset that if you love something, oh, you know, you let whatever happen. You just love them so much. Love blinds you. John 3.17 says this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, 
but in order that the world might be saved through him. God wants to save you, okay? Sometimes even from yourself. And then we read verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So let's be very clear. Love can reject. Be very clear about it. Love can reject. The Bible says it. It says, <laughs> whoever believes in him is not condemned, meaning you are received. You believe in the Son of God. You are received. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. You are rejected because you have rejected him. And like, oh, that's harsh. What about the message? You know, what about Jesus, you know, and, and you know, flying in the clouds and everybody holds hands. And, and this is in the scripture, guys. Love will reject. If I love my children, I will not let certain unsafe people come around them. That's the reality. I reject some people. I reject some things. I say you're not allowed to come in because I love these. I love them. I am their father. I will protect them. I will not allow your wicked mindset to come in and try to be part of what is holy. And again, we've made it all about God loves us. You know, he loves us. Oh, man, you know, uh, what's this, 99 for the one? You know, kick the door down. He'll come after me. He will reject you if you don't believe in him. Love can reject. Love can set a boundary and say yes to this and no to that. In verse 19, it says this, and this is the judgment. It goes even further. It's clarifying for us, guys. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And that's the hard part. That's the hard part. We, we sometimes want to go and, you know, get people, you know, hey, come serve, come, come be at church, come love Jesus, come be around him, you know, be in his presence. The reality is this, you, at the end of your life, will either be with God or not. No one can bring you in. No one can make a way for you except Jesus himself. And if you reject him, you reject the only way in. And the scripture says it very clearly. Light has come into the world. You know what that means? The light, the literal light. You know what happens in the light? People act normal. You know what happens in the dark? People loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And, and guys, this is in the scripture. This is what I'm saying. We've allowed so many different thoughts of love. You know, God is love. Love is God. God's love defines it for us. There is a point that we are defined because we either love God and we don't mind being in the light because we're doing everything we can to say, Lord, I want to be holy. I want to live righteously. Or we love the dark. We don't want anyone seeing what's going on. We don't want anyone knowing our business. Because we'd rather be in the darkness because you got some things going on that are not holy. Bible calls it evil. Like I said earlier, if you love your children, you'll reject some things. You will cut off some communication. 
You know, we let Isai play on, on video games, you know, at home, and sometimes people will get on and try to talk to him on the, you know, the headsets, this and that. We turn it off. Like, he's not allowed to talk to people we don't know. We, we cut off the communication. We don't allow certain things. If there's a video that comes up that we don't like, we turn it off. You can't watch that. But dad, sorry, son. <laughs> I love you. I'm going to cut out some things. Verse 20, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light. That's pretty clear, guys. <laughs> We're talking about love. Love is defined from, by God. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light. You know, when you come to church, when you step into a place like this, you know what you're doing? You're stepping into the light. And, and, and there's, there's some funny things that happen. Is Sometimes God exposes you without you even knowing it. And I'm saying this not to scare you, but so that you would understand something. Sometimes when you step into a church, you walk in, I, and this has happened to me, okay? I'm not, I'm not super holy. I, I just, I, I know the voice of the Holy Spirit, and I've, I've stepped into a church, and I've had people walk in, and, and they just start confessing things. Like, Pastor, I got to tell you this. And I'm like, no, you don't. You don't have to tell me anything. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Confessing, and I've also had the opposite where I was. I remember being in a church service. A guy walks in, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me about something going on in his life, and and it was clear as day. And I went to him and I said, "I believe the Holy Spirit is giving you opportunity to repent of this situation." And I explained to him, and he was like, "I I don't know how to stop. I don't know how to stop. I, I've asked for help, but I don't know where to go to now." He said, "I'm actually thankful that you came up to me and did this because I needed help. I didn't know what to do." And, and the reality is like God exposes you and those who love the light, who say, I need help. I need you, Jesus. I am in need of a savior. I'm a sinner that needs a savior. You come into the church and you're hoping, Lord, whatever is going on. Yeah, put the light on. Bring the people that can help me. Speak to me. Challenge me. Let them speak into the situation that no one knows. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. Scary, huh? There's another scripture that says, uh, your sins, the hidden secret things, will be shouted from the rooftops. <laughs> that, that's a sobering scripture. That's, that's one that you start, makes you think about, what's going on in my life? If somebody started shouting what was going on in my life, of the secret things, what would they be saying? And, and that's in the Bible. And, I'm, and I'm, what I'm saying here today is we have to move away from this, uh, you know, this, this position that says, you know, love is God, God is love. No, love, it, it, okay, love is not God. God is love. God defines love. And God sets boundaries for us. He sets parameters. He says, do this, don't do this. Come to the light. Don't stay in the darkness. Let your things that are inside that are going on, confess them one to another. That doesn't mean go post all your business on Facebook and Instagram and tell everybody, hey guys, this has been going on. I just want everybody to know. I'm not saying that at all. That's not what I'm trying to say to you. You should find a trusted person that is a mature believer, a mature Christian, and if you want help, you go to them and you let them know. Okay, that is a healthy type of confession where you're saying, I just want to be accountable. Okay, that's a healthy move. 
I'm not saying go tell everybody your business, okay? What I am saying here is what Scripture says, lest his work should be exposed, verse 21, but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Interesting that, that in closing this thought, love is defined by God, we see this scripture in verse 21, but whoever does what is true comes to the light. And love celebrates truth. Love celebrates those who step in and say, man, I got this stuff going on. I need to deal with it. I need help, Lord. Love celebrates that. You know, the, the best thing I've ever seen with Christians who really love Jesus, who really say, man, I want to live for him. I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to end up in this place of being bitter, of saying God isn't real, of saying the church did this, of saying, you know, the leaders did this, or, or you know, I don't believe God can really change this. The people who have said, Lord, I love you, and I really just want to know who you are, have stepped into places, and they've confessed some things to people that helped them. And, and you celebrate at that moment. And it was different than getting caught. It was different because that person said, I want to step into the light. I don't want the light turned on in my darkness. I want to go and say, Lord, I need you. I'm broken. I'm hurting. I have sinful things. And I want to know you more today than I did yesterday. And I want to know you tomorrow even more. Whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Love is defined by God. Let's stand. I want to read this again. And we, let's close our eyes and bow our heads and I'm going to ask Pastor Mancha to come up. But in uh, uh, the worship team, we come up. But I want to read this definition of agape. Agape is unconcerned with the self and concerned with the greatest good of another. Agape love is always shown by what it does. And in John 3, 16, we know this. We see God move. And it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I want you to know today that agape love that God has for us because he is holy. He is holy. He said, I will make a way for you to be close to me. Even in all your brokenness, even in all your sin, I will make a way for you. That is the love of God for us here today. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes and have Pastor Mark.